Tonight, I get the job of encouraging you, strengthening your relationship with God. And if you've got your Bible, please go ahead and open it up to Exodus chapter 1. We're going to spend pretty much the entire evening in this text. Exodus chapter 1, we just finished with, with Genesis ending on a high note. Joseph was able to get his family down into Egypt. We've got a a situation where Judah's line is going to be blessed. The covenant is in place. The promise is there. Now, one of the other things that I I want to do as you turn there is I hope that as we discuss this material tonight, one of the things that you take away is that we need God. You need God. You know, sometimes... We come to a place like this on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, we kind of check off our box, and we don't really stop and think about the fact that, you know what? We need God. It's not just about checking off a box. It's not just about showing up in a pew. It's about the fact that each and every one of us in this room, we need God. Take a look, Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1, there is a massive change with the Israelites. We go from the end of the book of Genesis on a high note to all of a sudden, we read about the fact that there's a new king in town, so to speak. Take a look with me at verse 8. Now, there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Now, we remember Joseph was second in command. He's the one that had been able to get them the land. Take a look at verse 11. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. Verse 14. They made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and brick and all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. You know, it's really hard for us to read this and comprehend what's going on because we we get to see the end of the story, right? But I want you this evening to kind of put yourself in their shoes. You go from being happy, you got everything, you're multiplying like crazy, to all of a sudden, you're being persecuted. You are now slaves. You know, when you think about it for just a moment, there are Christians that we look at presidential elections, and if if the right person doesn't get elected, you know what we feel like the next day? We just, I mean, for a week, we're in the dumps, and we're just blue. But please understand, this was much, much more than that. This would not be just a, a presidential election. This was a king who said, you know what? They're getting too strong. They're getting too mighty. we got to start doing something about that. And so, in fact, not only did they make them slaves, you remember this new king. He took aside the midwives. Look at what it says in verse 16. When you do the duties of a midwife from the Hebrew women, you see them on the birth stools. If it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it's a daughter, then she shall live. They wanted to thin them out. They they wanted to make sure that they could not war against them. 
The, the image you see there on the screen, I use that on purpose because that is actually a, a second example of what's going on right here. Some of you remember if you fast forward into the New Testament, you have a king by the name of Herod. And you remember Jesus, he was born, Herod didn't like that. So what did Herod want to do? He wanted to kill all of the babies. In fact, Mary and Joseph, they had to kind of skirt around. It's actually a crypt in Bethlehem from that era where King Herod set that decree. So here's a people of God who are no longer looked upon very favorably. Not only that, this is a a people of God who are under attack. And in some ways, it kind of feels like us today. I mean, let's be honest. We're not necessarily looked upon very favorably out in the world. Amen? And in many ways, we are under attack. And yet, here we are, we're at the beginning of Exodus, and you and I, we know that there's hope. We, we know that all of a sudden, God is going to deliver these people. But let me remind you, those Israelites, they didn't realize yet that that baby had been born and put in a basket. They, they didn't realize the significance of that baby in the basket. All they knew was hardship and labor and slavery and bondage. It's interesting. We flip over to chapter 2 of Exodus, and we actually get encouraged because Exodus chapter 2 is a little baby named Moses being born. And yet, those Israelites weren't encouraged. I love the end of this particular chapter. If you've got your Bibles, please open them up to Exodus chapter 2. Look with me at verses 23 through 25. It's basically the last paragraph, and it's what we're going to focus on this evening. Now, it happened in the process of time, the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, and he looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. This was a group of people that by the time we reach this point, they are in misery. They're groaning, and basically they're saying, where where is God? And you know that in some of their minds, they've got to be thinking, you know what, maybe these gods of Egypt are stronger than our God. Maybe maybe our God is dead. And if you've been alive long enough in this world, I guarantee you, you have probably felt a similar feeling. Maybe you've asked a a similar question of, you know, where, where, where is God in some of these really, really dark times? Because that's where they were. It's in those moments where, you know, you feel like you're all alone. You feel like you've been abandoned. Everything seems dark. And yet, God heard. 
Think about it. The Israelites, they weren't able to glimpse into the future about what you and I can read about. They didn't realize that God was hearing them. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to break this passage into to basically two different divisions. And then we're going to look at a, a couple of points out of each one of those. Take a look. Part one is what was happening on the earth. Now, this is what you and I would have known about were we there at the time. And that is simply, they groaned because of the bondage. They cried out. You realize that's all they knew. Then you've got the, the kind of dividing line, as I call it, and that is, that's where their cry came up to God. Part two is the part that they had no idea about. Part two is the part that they couldn't see because it's what was taking place in heaven. And that is that, that God heard their groaning and He remembered His covenant. Now, as you look at that particular diagram on the screen behind me, folks, they didn't know whether or not God heard them. They, they couldn't feel it. All they knew was the groaning, the, the slavery, the bondage. So look at it from just a minute from their perspective. What was going on on earth? They're groaning, they're in bondage, they cry out, and this first part is what's happening with you and me in the midst of our troubles. This is the only part, really, that we see. You know, we, we don't get to see that second part about God hearing, God seeing, God knowing, God responding. This is a group of people. They don't know that baby's been born. They don't know that God has a plan and He's executing all they know is suffering and instability. Put yourself in their shoes for just a moment. Because sometimes we cry out, sometimes we, we plead with God, sometimes things are going on in our life and we're just like, why is this happening? And it feels like nobody's listening. It feels like God has checked out. That God is dead. And that's precisely where they were. Let me make sure you understand our culture desperately wants you to believe that God is dead. They want to remove Him from every public thing that they can remove Him from. They want you to, to look at something like what's going on in Houston and say, Surely that, you know, God is dead or else he would have done something. You, you, you look at last year, October the 20th, there was a, an article that appeared claiming God is dead and it was science that killed him. Now, let me make sure you understand, this claim is nowhere near new, okay? Frederick Nietzsche, he, he actually declared it all the way back in 1882, German philosopher saying, God is dead. Well, let me just kind of update the scenario. Nietzsche's dead. God is not. Notice part two. God heard their groaning 
and he remembered. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is one of those times where you have to have the faith to realize that he's hearing your prayers, that he's seeing what's going on, and that he's keeping his promises. I'm going to focus for just a minute on that dividing line. So here's the Israelites. They're groaning out. They're calling out. They they need some kind of, of help. The text says their cry came up to God. I don't think we get that. And I'll be honest with you, before I was doing this study on this portion of the text, I didn't get it. And and I'll share with you in just a moment what I mean when I say I didn't get it. We we talk about, yeah, we we pray to God. And and occasionally we'll get up in a pulpit like this and, and we'll utter a prayer but I'm not really sure we think about who we're really talking to. You know, it sometimes feels like we've been abandoned, that our prayers aren't being heard, and yet the text tells us God heard their prayer. So here's my first point that I want you to remember. God hears. Saints, that is a big deal. That's a huge deal. Yeah, I understand that it can feel like, you know, there is no God. He's not listening. I didn't get what I wanted. Okay, first off, maybe we need to check ourselves a little bit because, you know, sometimes we think, my prayer is not getting answered. God must not be listening. Okay, that's, that's what we call pride. Because ultimately what you're saying right there is, he should definitely respond to who? To me. In fact, our attitude is basically like this. Surely God hasn't heard me because if he'd heard me, then he would have already addressed this. You know, surely God would have have fixed this cancer. Surely God would have fixed my child. Surely he would have given me a job. He would have given me a child. He must not hear me. Friends, that's arrogance. For us to think. Basically, here's what we're saying. God must have not heard me because if God had heard me, if if I jerk his chain, then he's going to respond to me. Folks, do you realize who we're talking about here? We're talking about the creator of the universe. How arrogant of us when, when we assume that the proof that God heard us is that what we wanted gets done. That is not proof that God heard you. God hears you. Now you think about it this way. Are are there times that things happen to you? Maybe that you asked for that weren't really good? I mean, you look at it. We assume that what we're asking God for is in his best interest not realizing that sometimes what we ask for is not always best, right? So we say, God, you you really need to do this. You really need to give me this. Now, as adults, you guys sit in your pew, you cross your arms, you listen to me and say, yeah, okay, whatever. But you get it when I bring it down to a child's level. Are there times when our children ask for things that, that we realize maybe we shouldn't give them? 
Mom, Dad, please, just, just give me a BB gun. Give me one of those throwing stars. Do you hear them? Oh, yeah. We hear them, but we also know the other side of the story, don't we? We, we know that those nunchucks hurt and that in the right hands, they're going to probably club little sister. And so, yes, you made your request, and I heard you, but the answer is no. Because I care about you, and I care about your little sister. The other thing that we need to think about is this. We don't think about things through God's perspective, do we? We just look at it from ourselves. And again, go back to the kids for just a minute. Kid sees a, a, a new trampoline, no safety net, uh, it's got holes in it, but it's $10, and man, they want it. They got $10 in their pocket. They've earned, Mom, let's get that. Let's. And you say no. Let me ask you, are they looking at that through your perspective or through theirs? Only through theirs. They see a trampoline, fun, jumping around with friends. You see broken legs, ER visits, maybe Department of Human Services coming over. They're not looking at it through your perspective. Is sometimes we make these prayers to God and we plead and we beg and we never look at it from His perspective. The fact of the matter is we do serve a God who hears. Flip in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 15. Take a look with me at verse 29. It says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayer of the righteous. Psalm chapter 66, starting in verse 19. But certainly God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be to God who has not turned away my prayer, nor His mercy from me. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Again, I don't think you got it yet. You're going to get it in just a minute. I have the opportunity a lot of times to fly into Texas. Two major places I go, Dallas, Houston. Get in rental cars. Oftentimes, the radio station will already be set. There's a a radio station out of Houston, 89.3 KSBJ. They have a a slogan. You hear it on the station. You see it on billboards. God listens. It's kind of a, if you think about it, that's kind of a a catchy little hook because, you know, you're driving around, God listen. Hmm, I wonder what God's listening to. But here's the problem. If you listen to that station for more than just a few minutes, what you start finding out is in this campaign, they are asking people to call in with examples of how they know God listens. So you know what you get a lot of? I know God listens because I I got that job that I've been wanting. I know God listens because my mom is no longer sick. I know God listens because my loan was approved for that new house. 
Every single one of them is subjective and it's positive. Folks, that's disappointing because all of these people are hinging their basis that God listens on them getting what they want. Folks, I know God listens because his word tells me he listens. That's how we know he listens. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It is very, very, very dangerous for us to assume that just because we got something we asked for, that God is listening. Because again, sometimes I want things and they come to pass because of my disobedience. Now, another thing that I want you to think about. This is an entire generation of people. The Israelites. Who, for the most part, most of them are going to die before deliverance comes. If I were to ask everybody under the age of 40 to raise your hand in this room, there would be a lot of people who did not raise their hand. Think about this. Moses went away for 40 years. 40 when he goes away, 80 when he comes back. That means that lots of these people who are crying out, guess what? They never saw deliverance. So here they are, they're crying out, they're they're groaning. But God heard them. Stop and think about that because right now most of y'all are sitting there going, yeah, but that's kind of not fair because they died. You know, they, they God heard them. Please don't miss that. Because right now there's some of you in this room. You may die before you get an answer to one of your prayers, and that's okay because God heard you. In fact, let me just point out, that's enough. It's enough that God heard you. Because here's what I bet you haven't been thinking as I've been saying that. I'm talking about the person who is responsible right now for holding the universe together, for putting breath in the lungs of every single soul on this planet, for the person who created every atom, he stops to listen to you. That's a big deal. To Think about the fact that this almighty God, the one who controls the universe, is willing to actually listen? Let me ask you, do you actually understand that the God of the universe who spoke the universe into existence, who's upholding it with the power of His might, He is taking the time to hear you. I know we don't think this way, but folks, if you never get another request granted to you it should be enough that God hears your prayers. And let me make that point very plain where you never forget it tonight. 
I realize that we live in the United States of America. We are under a president. But I also know that Americans have a weird fetish with the royal family over in Britain. Now, there's some of y'all going, nah, not me. Here's what I know. I know I don't care how much camouflage you have in your closet right now. If you got a call from the queen and she wanted you to come, guess what you would do? You'd be there. You would be there and you would watch all that pomp and all that. And if, if just by chance, the queen actually passed by you, and she took just a, a few seconds to say hello. Even though you may have had 30 questions you wanted to ask her. Her pausing to look at you and saying hello, it would have sent you on cloud nine. You would be taking Instagram shots and you would be texting your friends and telling everybody, I was with the queen. Well, guess what? God hears you. He he does a whole lot more than just pause and say hello. You know, you, you, you get all excited and worked up over the queen, and yet what I'm telling you tonight is God hears you. He's a whole lot more important than the queen. Amen? So point number one, God hears you. Point number two, Look back at the text. God remembered. God remembered His covenant. Now, oftentimes we read Exodus, here's what we do. We like to chalk it up kind of like an old Western movie. Okay? I hope and I pray that some of you guys in this room are old enough to remember good old Westerns. They don't make them much anymore. But everybody here who's ever seen a Western, you know, the good guys wear what color hats? White. Bad guys wear black, right? So here's how we look at it. We think of of the book of Exodus with the Israelites wearing white hats and those mean old slave master Egyptians, they're wearing the black hats. Well, guess what? That isn't the case at all. In fact, I need you to understand the Israelites were also a wretched group of people. They were a wretched group of people who deserved death, who deserved hell and the grave. You say, Brad, why would you say that? Because according to the Bible, all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is only one who is good. And yet we look at this and we think to ourselves, you know, they, they, they deserved God to take care of them because they were under bondage and we want the underdog to win and, and they were repressed. And... Okay, first let me point out something to make sure we clean this up really fast. Folks, that's what's called liberation theology. It came out of Catholicism and it is totally blasphemy. That, that idea is so foreign from what Scripture actually says. No, God didn't look down on them and say, oh, they got on white hats. They're being beaten. I better go take of him. No, no. He didn't say I need to take care of them. What it says is he remembered his covenant. God remembered. 
And why is that a big deal? That's a big deal because God, ultimately, God is faithful to God. It cracks me up. We, we don't think this way, that, that God could ever, you know, allow the, the Israelites to be put in that bond. That, they wouldn't do that. And, and here's what's funny. If, if I were to ask you guys, you know, what are some of your, your favorite verses? Eventually, this verse right here is going to pop up. Because there are a lot of people who have Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 is like your, your life slogan. You know, maybe you had it in your locker, you put it on your wall. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you future and hope. And we think, yes, that's, that's me. That's, that's me right there. <laughs> Except we back up just a few verses earlier in that same chapter. Jeremiah 29, verse 4, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to whom all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that same God that you just, the, the whole hope and future thing, right here he's saying, yeah, I, I'm the one that caused you to go into Babylon. It's not about the fact that they were being oppressed, that they were slaves. It's not about the fact that we think they have white hats on. The fact of the matter is, God remembered the covenant He made. And guess what, folks? God keeps His promises. You can take that to the bank all day long. Yeah, He didn't hear because He thought that they were pitiful. And He didn't hear their prayers because they were so elegant. You know, sometimes we kind of fall into that rut too, don't we? We think, well, you know, if, if we say the right words in the right manner, He's going to hear us. No, He heard, and the text says He remembered His covenant. That is tremendous news. Because that tells me that God is faithful to His Word. And I need to remind every single soul in this room, we have been given a promise that he's going to keep. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. So right now, as I'm talking to you about the fact that God hears your prayers, there is a place being prepared for you. That's awesome news. Folks, we're saved because God was faithful to his promise, not because of anything you and I did. Amen? All right, so here we are. We're Israelites. We may not see the changes in our lifetime. But number one, God hears us. And number two, He remembered. He was faithful to His promise. And for that, each and every one of us ought to be saying, thank you, God. Thank you for the blood of Christ Thank you for the new covenant. Thank you for pouring out your wrath on your son that I deserved. In fact, thank you, God, for loving me, even though I wear a black hat. Thank you for Jesus giving me his white hat and going to that cross. 
That's a, that's a pretty big deal. And it's a point that I do not want to, to let you just slip by because there is nobody in Egypt being redeemed because they, because they deserve it. Okay? In fact, there is nobody here today being redeemed because you deserve it. We're being redeemed because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So point number one, God heard. Point number two, He remembered. Point number three, He sees. You go back and you look at the text talking about the fact that that He saw what was going on with these children of Israel. And yet, you know, I suspect most of you in this room, you have felt like they felt. And that is, you know, somebody does something bad to us and we think that's just not fair and yet nobody's around to see it and we think they're going to get away with it and we're being mistreated. And yet, God sees. God sees when you think you're being mistreated. He sees. And you think to yourself, no, nah, Brad, I, I ain't buying that. You know, because, because if God had seen what had happened to me, if he saw the way that person was treating me, he wouldn't have let it happen. He, he would not have let me go through all that. Okay, be very careful right here, okay? Because that same God watched as his son was being put on a cross. And for you to say, you know, God doesn't see because he wouldn't let me go through that, He allowed His spotless, sinless Son, the the Lamb of God, to go to a cross. And yet you're thinking, He wouldn't let you go through something? It's interesting. We get stuck thinking about the good guys wearing white hats, but the truth is, everybody except God is wearing a black hat. Now, with that in mind, let's go back to the the Israelites, the Egyptians, for just a moment. Could you rejoice if God saved Pharaoh? I mean, after all of that mistreatment, all of the beatings, could you, could you find rejoicing in that as an Israelite? Because let me, let me point out to you, sometimes we miss these little nuggets. You remember some of the Egyptians actually went with them, Right? So could you rejoice if it gave God more glory to save that Pharaoh? Could you actually rejoice in that? That's a tough one, isn't it? Because deep down what we want is vengeance. And yet tonight what I'm reminding you is it's not about your vengeance. It's about whether or not God is going to be glorified. The last one. God knew. It's interesting the way that particular phrase is in the text. Some versions may say, and God acknowledged, or God knew. You know, that, that particular word it is used to denote intimacy, closeness to somebody. In fact, we, we look in Genesis chapter 1, or chapter 2, Adam knew his wife, Eve. I guess that's actually Genesis chapter 3. 
Genesis chapter 8, right after the flood it happened, there's a, a phrase there where God remembered Noah, the word being zakar. And it actually means to draw closer to. These are terms where it's basically saying God isn't somewhere far away. No, He's actually present and drawing closer. By the way, who closed the door of the ark? God did. If you look at chapter 7, when he tells Noah and his family to go get on the boat, he doesn't say go get on the boat. He says, come. You know what that designates? That, that really indicates he was already there. God sees. He hears. He remembers. And he knows. I realize there may be some of you in this room right now who you are in a dark place. Maybe you're you're going through a time of your life where things just don't seem to be working. I need you to understand God is alive and He knows. He hasn't abandoned you. In fact, you may be crying out right now, where is God when I, I lost my job? Or where was God when I... I lost my marriage. Where was God when I lost my child? Where was God when I was sitting in that room and that doctor walked in and he couldn't look me in the eyes because he knew what he was about to have to tell me? I'll tell you where God was. He was right where he was with the Israelites. And he was right where he was when his son was being put on a cross. And folks, that right there should bring you hope and joy because one day, because of that very event, you and I have the opportunity to see Him. You see, we serve a living God. Amen? Everything that we've been talking about over the last five weeks has been so that one day we will get to be in His presence. You want to know where God is during your darkest hour? They're preparing a place for you. They're reminding you that this place right here, this wasn't ever meant to be your home. You live in a fallen, condemned world. But God knew He hears. He remembers. I hope and I pray that as you go out the rest of this week, it's Wednesday night, this is usually a special group of people because let's be honest, you guys are not Sunday morning only, right? It is my hope and prayer as you go out this week that you have a little bounce in your step, that you have a smile on your face, that you are encouraged Because you serve a living God. And that God hears you. He knows. He remembers. And He sees what's going on. And one day, you'll be reunited with Him.